ready now. Are you ready now? I'm ready now. This is ridiculous. Welcome to Breathing Flames, the tabletop gaming podcast from IslayTheDragon.com. I'm John, also known as Farmer Lenny on Islay the Dragon, and today we'll be talking about unique games. We live in an age of customization, where every person is seen as unique and likes to show off their uniqueness to the world. And this year at Gen Con, Fantasy Flight Games tapped into this concept by their big announcement of unique games, beginning with Keyforge and then announcing Discover Lands Unknown. Unique games claim to be as unique as you and me, with each copy of the game having wholly unique contents. What are our initial reactions to this model? What do these initial releases mean? And what is the potential for this new line? With me to explore this topic are fellow Dragon Slayers, Alex. Hello. And Wolfie. Greetings. So I remember when the news was coming out of Gen Con and they announced Keyforge. And at first I was just like, okay, so what's the big deal? And it seemed like that was kind of the initial reaction from most people, like all the media people who were in the in-flight report were talking about it and were really excited about it. And all of us watching from before far were just like, I don't, I don't get it. What's going on? And it seemed like <laughs> as the news slowly <laughs> began to make its way out and people started to understand exactly what the concept is, it has just dominated the conversation as fantasy flight releases typically tend to do. What was your reaction when you finally understood what unique games are? I think it sounds very interesting. I appreciate anytime a publisher tries to take a new approach uh, to an old format. And in this case, I think the idea of basically creating a CCG-like game, but cutting out all of the card collecting and deck building and all that, I think it opens up the genre to a new audience, And I don't know how much overlap there is between the CCG audience and the unique game audience as far as Keyforge goes. But it's nice to see them trying new things. I mean, it kind of uses technology in a different way. You've seen app-driven games, games that mix physical components and digital components. And this is kind of using technology to create the decks, the unique card decks, so that You're not using technology when you play. Then you get this unique deck that's all your own that you don't have to spend time crafting and figuring out if it's good or not. You just spend time learning how to play it or maybe buying a couple different decks and then you just have three complete unique decks to just jump right into and play. So I think that's cool. That's my, my initial reaction. And there's always some element of let's wait and see, like how is the game? Does it build a following? Are people going to be playing it? Because it doesn't seem like the kind of game that that would be fun to play the same decks against each other over and over again. Mm -hmm. But I think the concept is cool. You mentioned the kind of pushing the envelope in terms of technology. And I think we heard mentioned that there was some revolutionary printing technology is the only reason that something like Keyforge is even possible. It's kind of funny to think that a, a technology like printing that's been around for thousands of years now is now Hundreds. being revolutionized. And whenever I hear those such lofty claims, I'm always a little bit hesitant to fully embrace it. I'm a little skeptical, I guess. But the more that I heard about it, um, the more that I actually see what's actually being done with this new revolutionary technology, it's actually kind of intriguing. And like you said, this are just our first impressions. We don't have firsthand 
knowledge, though there are some decks floating out there, it does seem to offer something actually new and a new tool to play around with that can have some pretty long-lasting ramifications in all of board gaming. I think one of the neat things about it, too, is the low cost of buy-in. Like, Wolfie, you were saying it's early. We don't know how big the the play scene is going to be. But it seems to me, like, because the buy-in is so cheap, I can imagine most, I would say many, <laughs> CCG players would probably buy a single deck to give it a try. And after they buy one deck, they might buy another. Because the decks are $10, I think, is the is the price of a single deck. Because the buy-in is so cheap, it just seems like... That it would be a very simple thing to test. I know I'm looking forward to testing it out, at least if I can find someone else willing to test it with me. And even if not, it seems like going to a local store and just joining a tournament for $10, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, it's definitely a curiosity, something that, that they're touting as brand new and unique. And it's only $10. It's worth a shot, I think, just for just about anyone if these type of card combat dueling games are of any interest to you. It was interesting you mentioned... CCG players likely buying into it, at least just to give it a shot. I did see some discussion about the game from some CCG players who were kind of complaining about it and saying like, oh, they're just taking out like the fun part of hmm. the game. Like I like I like drafting. I like buying different cards. I like being able to change what's in my deck. I don't want to get stuck with a deck that's not as good as someone else's deck, which is fair. I think that's just because not every game has to be for every person. And I don't think they're trying to replace Mm -hmm. the CCG model. I think they're just trying to do something different that will maybe give some other people access to that kind of game without having to commit as much time and money into it, which is cool. Mm -hmm. I think the skepticism we're hearing from CCG players, I think that's going to subside. I think there's a lot of uh, sound and fury signifying nothing right now. (laughs) I, th- <laughs> I think once it's actually released, Thanks, I, I'm guessing they're at least going to buy a deck because it's only seriously, it's only $10 to try something that is new and fresh. And I just by the announcement buzz, I think this is going to be big. I do think that the base game has components that you need to play. Mm-hmm. You may need to invest in a base game, which does come from what I read on the decks. It looks like it's just the token. Right. That's true. Which you can proxy. That's true. But you're, yeah, you're right. The tokens don't come sold in individual decks. I used to play CCGs, not competitively, just casually. In high school, my friends and I would buy the cards. We'd play our decks against each other. We never really participated in tournaments, but we had fun playing with each other. And that's just kind of died off for me because I don't have time to build a deck anymore. I don't have time to maintain knowledge of the cards that are available. My friends don't have a lot of time to play these games. So the idea of showing up at a tournament, buying a deck when I get there, and perhaps having a chance to be competitive against other people because they're doing the same thing, that is just phenomenal to me. That's something that I can't wait to be a part of. Yeah, And a game like Magic has evolved to have so many different play styles and games types that actually cater to people who don't have the time or aren't fully invested in actually crafting their own decks. Um, you can do drafts or you know something where you just show up with $10, you get a whole bunch of packs, and you make your deck right on the spot. Uh, a lot of really competitive play, people will just use decks that are created by other people and They call it net decking. Basically, you take a list off of the internet 
and you create your card list from there. So that crafting your own deck isn't um, universal appeal, even within the CCG market. That's a good point. One of the most frustrating play experiences that I had over the last year or so is with a game called Ordis Regni. And this is a game that's kind of a card battling dueling game that has everything complete in one box. And the idea is that after every single session, you'll modify your deck to counter your opponent. And the person that I was playing with happened to be my wife, and she just was not interested in adding or subtracting or modifying her deck. She liked the game well enough, but once I was able to craft my own deck to basically tear hers apart, she was kind of done with it and didn't want to continue in that area of the game. I'm curious because I know that from what I've read of Keyforge, it sounds like not only does each deck, is it wholly unique in that no other deck has the same cards in it. I've also heard that perhaps cards could be procedurally generated to take advantage of specific keywords within each deck. So maybe that this would be the sword of the dwarf or the sword of the elf, whatever. I don't, I don't think it's really elves and dwarfs, but, and that each deck has a unique archon with a unique name. So each deck, the only way that you'd be able to sub cards in and out is if you used opaque sleeves, because otherwise you're going to tell it's the name of the archon is on the back of the deck. And so all of these names are generated. What do you think about the possibilities there? Procedural generation can go either way. And at, at the very least, like things that are names or keywords are fairly simple. I remember when uh, the video game No Man's Sky came out. And I don't know if you're familiar with that game, but the idea was you're just kind of a space pilot and the universe is procedurally generated. So every planet you visit be completely unique from what other players see there was supposed to be something like 14 million planets and it kind of got caught up in the hype so that when it released a lot of people were very disappointed because random combinations of elements put together didn't necessarily result in something that was cool Mm -hmm. and i think that that game has been developed over time and turned into something that a lot of people are more excited about now, but it's like, it's cool to get the deck. That's like Vladisvir, the Archon of fire swords or something like that. But then it would be kind of lame to get like Steve, the bread man. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what stuff goes into the engine. There's always a chance of getting something that just sounds kind of dumb. But then, then again, I feel like people would probably embrace Steve the Breadman and he'd probably get glorified mm-hmm. across the internet. <laughs> the names that I've seen of the different archons just from the decks that are floating around, they do seem a little cheesy. And the universe to me seems a little cheesy too. It's the the thing that's attractive is the potential for the gameplay, not necessarily the universe it's set in. But that that's probably just me. Yeah, there's an interesting trade-off. You think of board games traditionally as being these meticulously handcrafted entities they're usually you have one or two designers behind it and this is his single sole idea and now we're kind of disrupting that by having this algorithm take over and have input in the design not just in the gameplay but in the artistic levels in the flavor of the experience so it'll be interesting to see how that world is embraced when you don't have full control over it like you typically would in in a release that we're more familiar with Mm -hmm. so you brought up uh no man's sky and procedural generations in video games wolfie 
And that particular game had a problem with scope. So this same element has been pretty popular in a lot of video games lately. They call them typically roguelikes. And with those games, what happens is every time you boot up the game or you start a new session, the game world will actually be completely generated by some sort of algorithm. So the designers have made it so certain rooms are connected, certain weapons will show up, enemies will not appear in places that will make it impossible to proceed. And that goes a long way towards making a video game long-lasting and give it a variability that keeps you coming back for more. And that's kind of what we're seeing here with Keyforge, except that every time you want to try something new, you do have to plunk down another $10. Mm-hmm. You know, the barrier to entry is kind of low, but you can't customize that single deck. And if you're not too happy with the deck that you got, then you are stuck buying another booster pack, basically, is what it amounts to. Mm-hmm. Only here, the booster packs are $10 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> instead of three. Right. So on one hand, it's, oh, it's only $10 to jump in, but oh, it's another $10 if you want to change it up a little bit. I'd be interested to see like five years down the line, the average amount players playing Keyforge spend versus mm-hmm. the average amount that a CCG or LCG player spends over the course of a year or two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was talking to the Asmodee PR person, Megan. I was asking her about if they had any expectations about whether people would buy a lot of decks or just buy a couple decks and try and master them. And, uh, she said they're they're not really sure what people are going to do. They're just kind of keeping it open. They expect to see both sides of that happen. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Probably the most exciting thing about this is that it does feel fresh and new it's kind of exciting that even fantasy flight at least in their as you mentioned the pr person at least the the face of the company is saying we're just going to wait and see and see how this takes off because it really is pretty different if i heard about this and we'll come to this in a moment with uh discover lands unknown but like when i think of randomness in board games I don't think of it as the same thing as, or, or variability. I don't think of it as the same thing as replayability. But in a CCG, this idea of having a wholly unique deck that no one else on the planet will have or can have, that is something pretty attractive to me. Let me know if you find a good tournament to go to once in a while. Maybe I'll join it. All right, will do. When you did play CCGs, how much of your enjoyment came from opening a new booster pack? See, that's that's tough. <laughs> and and part of it, too, I think part of the, the fun of me for CCGs was the CCGs I played were primarily the Star Wars CCG. I dabbled in some other ones, and they were kind of exciting, but they were all IPs that I cared about. You know, these were characters from a universe I was invested in, and so that was what was cool. Even my enjoyment of Destiny, Star Wars Destiny, is partially from seeing characters I know, seeing what they can do, that kind of thing. Having a new world that, again, is a little cheesy, (laughs) I'm not sure that I'm really going to care that much. So we'll see, I guess, from a purity standpoint, just how much I like CCGs when it's released. Can I tolerate the cheese? I think the theme is is appropriate for what it is. I think it it captures the spirit of these big fantasy creatures without having to limit it to like, oh, it's like everything's an orc and an elf. Like these archons can be whatever. Like they can be anything. They are unique. 
and such is your debt. It's true. It, I th- I feel kind of <laughs> it's probably the same way that J.R.R. Tolkien felt about the Chronicles of Narnia when C.S. Lewis presented it to him. It just feels kind of slapdash, like there's no inner logic to the world when Father Christmas is alongside a fawn. You know, it's it's just <laughs> the world isn't speaking to me, even though, as you say, it probably does make sense uh, from a <laughs> from a standpoint of trying to create a game where anything can happen. It's kind of like Smash Up. And again, I, I don't find Smash Up particularly well, uh, you like engaging that old way either. European dudes building walls <laughs> out of sheep or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find far- farming a more compelling theme, so you can take everything I say with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, I just wonder how this play feeds into the overall the overall trend in gaming, whether it's video games or CCGs that feeds into the need, the loot box basically system where you pay a couple of bucks here and there and you get a random chance at getting something that you really, really want. It kind of turns it on its head in that there are no, you know, specific cards that you're searching out. Your card might be completely different and it just happens to be great, but you don't know that going in. So I wonder if that draw and appeal of finding the rare, the foil Charizard of the world of Keyforge. I don't know if that exists or if people are just kind of randomly opening packs to try and find something that just is competitive. You mentioned at the beginning, Alex, that this is using technology in a new way in that the technology is used to create a unique physical product. But there's also going to be an app that accompanies the game. And I think at least in tournament play, what they're going to require is, I guess there's a QR code associated with every deck. And so you kind of have to register your deck at the start of the tournament. And I'm not sure exactly what this means or how much, you know, the Fantasy Flight overlords will be involved. But they're at least going to be monitoring tournaments to see if there are any decks that are dominating or any cards that are dominating, that kind of thing. It sounds like there will be some kind of system to handicap really strong decks. I don't know if that's going to affect any of the rarity or anything, but I think it's an interesting way to manage that. It would be interesting to see like a secondary market of like, this deck is really powerful and like ratings or so. I'm sure someone will build a website to like register like a database of decks and try and rank them or something like that. That sounds like a thing that gamer nerds would do. Oh, totally. There are so many like CCG websites like that, fan websites, but they even have it with Dominion. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I can't remember the name of the forum. You're talking about Dominion strategy or? Yes. So so even Dominion has dominionstrategy.com and people are commenting, or at least when I read it, you know, people were commenting on the variable strength of a card. But I mean, really, it doesn't matter because <laughs> they're comparing it against other cards that might not be in that set of 10. You know, it, I don't know. It's silly. Uh, yeah, the competitive scene is going to be really interesting because a lot of the element in the traditional card combat games that we're seeing today, a lot of the games are won before you even step into the arena. If you have a stronger deck than your opponent, you have a high probability of victory. In this case, I don't know how they're going to set it up. Do you buy your deck on site? Do you come prepared with the the best deck that you think that you've purchased? It'll be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. I agree. 
at Gen Con Fantasy Flight announced Keyforge, which is the unique deck system. And they they mentioned this is the first unique deck or unique game trademark. And it was kind of up in the air. Well, if it's the first one, are there going to be more? And then shortly afterward, Fantasy Flight announced Discover Lands Unknown, which is a unique game that takes the that principle where every box is completely unique from every other box. But this is a board game instead of a already kind of a customizable game system. So what do you think about, from what you've read, what do you think about Discover Lands Unknown? Do you think the unique game concept will work there? I'm a lot less convinced that something like Discover will, it might be popular, but I'm not sure that it will matter that much if my game is completely unique from yours. My experience is going to be my experience and whether or not someone else is having a different experience isn't going to interact with my experience. And that happens anyways. Mm -hmm. When I play a game with my group, it's going to be different than another group playing the same exact game. So I'm not sure what the draw or the appeal is going to be on this one. I am going to be honest. I am more excited about this one than Keyforge. Uh, primarily because I could see myself playing Discover more often. And uh, my two-player moments are pretty rare. And usually I play with my wife, who was not interested in the kind of game that Keyforge is, or my other friend, and we play Star Wars Armada, so we're not really looking to get into another two-player game. But uh, with Discover... I like cooperative games. I like games about exploring and um, uncovering secrets and stories. So I'm not convinced that it will be like this amazing thing that will tell these really cool stories, but I, I am excited about it to a degree. It almost does feel like a, like a test case, like almost like let's see what we can do like a little bit with the, with the unique game thing before we really go off the deep end and try crazy things. Like let's give people this, this board game that's cooperative. That, and I, I think that uh, it builds off of like the legacy game thing that has become pretty popular. And mm-hmm. um, just the idea of crafting your own unique experience. In this case, you're discovering, you know, like the game title, you're discovering what your unique experience is versus starting with the same thing that everyone else has and creating something unique, which we can talk more about that later. But I'm just, I'm very intrigued to see what does come out of that. What stories the, the game description promises unique, it promises mysteries to uncover, which you, which you get to as you like survive on this mysterious place that you end up. So it'll be interesting to see what those mysteries are, like what the story is. Um, but I guess part of that, that's like the selling point of the game is like, come on in and see. And like, guess what? Your game is different than someone else's game. So you can't even get it spoiled for you because someone could tell you exactly what happens in their copy of the <laughs> game. And you're still going to have a completely different experience. Or maybe you'll just have like, the names are different or something. I don't like, we have no idea what's going to actually be different between each of these games yet. 
I have a hope that it's like you described Wolfie, <laughs> that it's going to be this exciting story that I walk into and just the excitement of exploring a new land. And it truly is a, a new land. Like the seventh continent kind of appeals to me, even though I know I could get no one to play it with me. That appeals to me. But even on the seventh continent, you're exploring the same continent as everyone else. This truly is kind of a virgin land that no one has ever explored before. So that's appealing. But then I think, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a new game out called Curio. Before it was released, the initial press copy, whatever, was talking about how it's an escape room that's different every time you play it. So a replayable escape room. And for me, I love escape rooms. I love escape room games. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And then I looked at the at the previews, like how it actually works. And I was thinking, that actually doesn't look very awesome at all. It's essentially like doing a bunch of Sudoku puzzles. Sudoku can be really fun, but like even if it's a different puzzle, it's they all kind of feel the same. They're all, you know, they're all Sudoku puzzles. You're writing in the numbers all the time. It doesn't matter. Part of the fun of the escape room is these puzzles fit together and it's not you're not just doing a puzzle. You're part of a story. I'm curious because for me, I mean, I work in books. I believe in the power of the author crafting an experience for me. And this is the best experience that the author has to give in a book or whatever. And you judge it. They might fail at their attempt, but it's their attempt. And I guess kind of the random elements, I'm not sure how that's going to work in a more narrative board game. The cynic in me kind of sees it as a, a way for multiple groups to have multiple copies of the same game as it is now. If my friend has a copy of a game, then I'm less likely to pick it up because I'm probably going to play with him anyways. But if I have the chance of buying a game that I also like, but it's going to be my own and be different from his in some way, then I might be more inclined to pick it up. Mm -hmm. I'm still not quite sold on because like you said, it's not, created for me by one author it's kind of it emerges from some sort of algorithm that mm -hmm. that spits out this new type of game where i'm probably going to be doing the same things that everyone else is going to be doing in their same games i might just have a few twists and turns that might mix things up might change things in ways that are that set my experience apart from someone else's but i'd rather have in this traditional type of game at least from what i've seen I'd rather have that authorial intent behind all the decisions that happen in the game. That's yeah, it's interesting because there's just there's so little we know about it, and like with KeyForge, we all know basically what a CCG game looks like, what a competitive two-player head-to-head card game looks like. You know, there are variations of that form among the different games, but we at least have a solid concept of what that looks like and and how it makes sense for cards to be different or decks to be different. With this, we, we just kind of have no mm -hmm. idea what's really going to be in the box or what's going to be different, because it could be something as simple as, like, you're discovering treasures, and each treasure has, like, a little story that goes with it. And then it's like, well, okay, like, that's kind of cool because you're still playing the same game, but... You just you get a little different backstory if you care about that. And if you don't, mm -hmm. like, okay, but it's still a game. Is it a narrative game? Does it have a story that unfolds? Is it just elements in this land that you find that make it unique? Is it the land tiles? Is it the characters? Like, 
-hmm. What makes it unique? Is it worth playing two different copies of the game? Or is it really just, oh, you have a, a copy of the game and it's basically the same game, but it just like contains slightly different components. So it, it's kind of unique and that's kind of fun. But there's just so much, there's so much unknown. It's hard to even begin to imagine what will work or, or not work. Yeah, Keyforge has the advantage of pitting those unique decks against each other head to head. So if you are playing in a tournament setting or even amongst your friends, you have the advantage of seeing all those unique decks. Where I think in Discover, that's going to be a lot less prevalent. The chances of you playing uh, multiple copies of the same game goes drastically down. And at most, you're going to be playing maybe two, three different copies. You're not going to be churning through them like you would in Keyforge. So seeing those differences, I think is going to be a lot less impactful than on the surface. But on the other hand, from what we know, at least the th- the things that'll be different are there are four different terrain types. They show that in the, I think, in the trailer and the pictures on the press release. So you know, you can be in the in the desert or in the forest or in the in the mountains or the water. At least there's something different there. I think, I don't know. They, they said that the characters are different, so you'll have different players with different unique abilities in each game. I mean, I'm sure there aren't, you know, a billion of those, but <laughs> there there will at least be several and they'll be in different combinations. I don't think there's as much variability just because, as you said, you're not testing it against other things. But I don't know. Part of me is is still like, of course, I'm the kind of person who buys grab bags at garage sales and things. Just like, what are they selling for a dollar? The, the truth is junk. It's junk that people won't buy if they sell it by itself. But there's still that, well, was, what if you buy it and there's something amazing in it? Going to Gen Con this year would have been dangerous for you because there were so many vendors selling boxes that were like $50 with $150 worth of games inside. It's like, uh, maybe by MSRP, <laughs> but not necessarily my personal value. But there, yeah, there was a lot of those being sold. <laughs> boxes of board games. It's kind of the same deal. I think, uh, Alex, you mentioned the the loot boxes or, you know, just the, the subscription boxes are, this, are the same deal. It's interesting. I, I'm willing to buy a grab bag that's a dollar and I know it will contain junk. But the idea of spending, you know, $30 a month on games that you don't know if you'll like, that is a hard pass for me. <laughs> there is no way I would do that. Like I, I've seen the the AEG black box. Did they release that on Black Friday or was that a Gen Con thing? But same deal. It's like, well, we're putting in games and you don't know what's inside. I'm like, thanks. I'd rather put my $50 on something I, I know I have a better chance of liking than on 13 copies of Love Letter. Right. I think the more you care about a particular subject, the less likely you'll be satisfied with those type of models. And I, I think that's something that uh, Discover Lands Unknown, I think, has an MSRP of fifty nine ninety nine. Keyforge, I am definitely in. It is nine ninety nine. I've spent ten dollars <laughs> on a lot more stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, ten dollars is at the impulse buy, but fifty nine ninety nine. I'm less likely to just, on a whim, buy it to try it out. That's the kind of thing that I'm going to wait to see other people's experiences. That's one of the cool things, too. You see other people's experiences and you know, well, their experience, mine will be completely unique. Of course, it could be unique in a bad way. <laughs> but I'm sure there will also be a secondary market for 
both Keyforge decks and copies of Discover, just because I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. there's ever there's so many different types of gamers. That I'm sure there are people who are like, no, this sounds like the stupidest thing ever. I'm sure there are people who would love to try one version of the game and be happy with that. And I'm sure there are people who want to play as many different copies of the game as they can just to see what what happens differently. I could see groups of friends getting together and buying, Mm -hmm. you know, each person buying a copy of the game and then just trading them around. So what do you think this model is going to do for reviewers? (laughs) <laughs> you know this this is what we do at i slay the dragon how do you review a unique game that's a good question for something like discover i would think that it would be nice to see a couple different copies of the game just to kind of get an idea of what could be different on the plus side it's easier to review that kind of game than uh than a legacy game you know with a legacy game everyone has the same stuff and people don't want it spoiled so you don't want to give away the surprises but if you're reviewing discover and every everyone's game is going to be different then you can give away whatever you want and you can't spoil it i think keyforge is harder just because (laughs) there's that whole kind of tournament scene which is the game that kind of game is designed for and we typically haven't really reviewed ccgs very much as they are now so we probably just won't, but maybe you will. I don't know. Maybe you'll go to a bunch of tournaments, do like a two years down the road. How did this turn out? Like look back, we passed the <laughs> hype. <laughs> maybe I'll fall in love with a crucible. That's the fantasy world, the cheesy fantasy world. I think reviewing is always kind of experiential. So the only experience I have to review a game on is my own. I'll question the other people at the table and include their opinions in what I write, but we don't always agree. And I'm the one who's writing it down. So I get, the, <laughs> I get my say, you know? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in, in some ways, I mean, that that's just what reviewing is. You're reviewing the experience unless you are just rehashing the rule book in, in which case you were not writing a review. <laughs> uh, so I'm off my soapbox now, I promise. In that sense, I'm not sure it will be that different to review a unique game, except in the sense that this time it really is an experience because your experience is guaranteed to be different from mine. At least if the unique game does anything to to randomize outcomes. In a sense, I mean, as you said, Alex, maybe it doesn't matter all that much if we're not interacting together, if we're all kind of doing the same things just in a different copy of the game, what does it matter? But I'm not sure it will make that much of a difference for Discover. For Keyforge, maybe, because, <laughs> because if you really hate the factions you end up with, because every every deck is a combination of three factions. You know, if you really hate the, the factions you've been dealt, or you hate werewolves and zombies, and that's what you get, I mean, that might affect your enjoyment. But I think for me, the big question about Discover is like, well, obviously it could just be bad. That's always a possibility. But if it's good, is it good because every game is unique and there's like that spark of interest because, oh, this is different? Or is it, will it be like, oh, this is a good game that's fun to play? And also it's kind of cool that like my experience was was my own, was, my, was different from everywhere else's. So I hope mm-hmm. that it's a good game. I hope that it's fun. 
that has cool mechanisms and is, is an interesting game to play that also happens to be a unique experience from anyone else who has bought a different co copy of the game. Mm -hmm. It tickles a similar itch to legacy games for me, but without having to destroy anything. Although I don't mind destroying things, but I like the unfolding discovery in the game. Yeah, now you just have to pay every time you want something new. <laughs> That's, That's where they get you. Most people spend more than 60 bucks on their CCGs anyway. So. That's true. All right, in, in our last minutes here, just really quickly, where do you hope unique games go? Either what game, what genre, what uh, what universe do you think would benefit from a unique game? I think they pretty much nailed the concept of these unique games with the ccg card dueling games that seems like the most natural fit i'm still very skeptical on how all of this will fit into a traditional board game that we're more used to i'm curious to see what what can be done with it but i'm not clamoring for it yeah i i'm really <laughs> i think i'm far more interested in the concept than alex is as far as it being applied to board games but I don't really know what comes next. So I hope that someone more creative than me has some great ideas that we will get to experience. It may be kind of a niche thing where it's just, it doesn't have to be 200 unique games coming out next year from 40 different publishers. It could just be like, oh, there's another new unique game this year. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think Alex is right that the the two genres or the two games that they've got to kind of test the waters with this concept are probably the two that are most interesting to me. Unique game in CCG terms and the unique discovery of a new land. Again, I haven't played either. So I don't know if it's, as you said, Wolfie, if the uniqueness is incidental to the fun or if it's the generator of the fun or if the game will be fun at all but my interest is peaked and my hopes are high yeah luckily you don't have to play a game to form an opinion oh yeah that's right <laughs> i didn't i haven't played curio and i you know <laughs> pontificated on that so well thank you to alex and wolfie you have been listening to breathing flames the podcast from isolatethedragon.com thank you so much for listening if you like what you've heard you can subscribe to our podcast. You can read our blog. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, on Google Plus, while that's still around, on our Board Game Geek Guild. You're welcome to contact us to tell us why we're right, to tell us why we're wrong, to tell us why you have the best Keyforge deck in the universe. Thank you for listening and keep slaying dragons. Doo -doo -doo.